Good evening. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 4. Brother Toby is preaching a, I believe, a men's meeting for uh, Brother Curtis Cravens, and so he had asked me to preach. And uh, this afternoon, my wife had to go to a, a, a funeral, um, and so I had a few hours to myself, and I thought, well, what can I have for lunch that'll make me feel like I've had a good, heavy Sunday afternoon, you know, meal, but not felt like I've really had anything later. So obviously I chose Asian food, and... I just want to go on record to say General So's chicken is not a good idea on Sunday before you get ready to preach. Brother Zag, Brother Fred, some of you other men that preach, it's not your friend. So, <laughs> but no, I, I'm excited. I, you know, I, it, it, every time I get up to preach, I, I, I get nervous about it. That's because I take preaching serious. You know, I like to, I like to goof off and I like to have fun. And those of you that know me well know that about me. But, uh, but this is a serious thing to be able to open the word of God. And, and to be able to preach that and, and to be able to, to hear from the Lord, deal with our hearts. And I just want to I just want to honor the Lord in doing that this evening. But let's start in uh, chapter number four, verse number one. We'll read together, starting there, verse one down to verse 11. It says, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men. O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, we're slain. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand here this evening, uh, Lord, to be able to open your word and to preach from it. Father, I pray that through this message this evening, Lord, that you would encourage us uh, and that you would warn us, Father, and Lord, that you would help us to evaluate our own life as believers, to uh, to reflect ourselves through your word and to be able to see where we stand before you and to also see the path that we're on and make sure, Lord, that our focus is on Christ and Christ alone. Lord, I pray that you will deal with hearts, deal with my heart. Uh, Lord, just bless us as believers gathering together to worship you this evening. 
We pray for our pastors. He's away, Lord. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach to you this evening uh, on losing fellowship with the Lord. Uh, I, I want to say I want to say I'm very thankful to be saved. Uh, I got saved when I was 13 years old. I was um, I was brought up in a in a Christian home. My, my mom had gotten back in church when I was uh, about nine or ten years old. And after she passed, I moved in with my grandparents, and they made a point to always have me and my sisters in church every single week. Uh, and we were preached the gospel, and, and I got saved at, at a young age. And, and I can see how uh, God has blessed my life. Um, looking looking at, at where I am today, I, I've got a good wife. I've got healthy children. I, I've got a good job. Uh, I think they like me there. Um, you know, I've got a wonderful church, and, and I can just see how God has blessed my life. And I'm so thankful for that. But I can also see times in my life in which I have not been as close to God as I should be. I haven't been, ex- I haven't been striving to grow and to get closer and closer to the Lord. And, and we'll touch a little bit on this, but that's a, that's a dangerous place to be because even at times in our life when we're not trying to be actively after the Lord, the devil is still actively after us. And, and we have to recognize uh, the importance of maintaining a close fellowship with the Lord. And I, I just want to reiterate to all of us that we, we understand we cannot lose our salvation. Once we've been born again, we, can't, we cannot lose our salvation. Um, but we can, we can lose fellowship with God. We, we can walk away from godly things. And all of us probably know people um, that have done this. Um, but I want to warn you uh, this evening, I want to help you and try to encourage you um, in this. So I want to look at just a handful of things that led to this. Uh, when you look at the history of what was going on with Israel at this point, you go back through the book of Judges, you see times in which Israel um, had gotten away from God and God would judge Israel. And then they would become uh, back close to the Lord again, following after the Lord again. And this was kind of back and forth and back and forth. And what was going on at this point in time is uh, Eli... The priest, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and we'll talk a little bit about them. They were godless men. Um, they were wicked men. Uh, and they, because of their actions, they were bringing uh, sin into Israel and causing Israel to turn away from the Lord as well. Um, and so the first thing I want to look at, we're going to flip around just a little bit, not too much, um, is I want to look at how Israel had made themselves vile. Um, turn with me to chapter number three. Let's look at verse number 13 there. Um, It says here, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Now, this is uh, this is uh, Samuel, uh, the young prophet, talking to Eli um, of what God had told him was going to happen. And this was judgment that was going to take place. God was telling him to tell this message to Eli um, that he could expect judgment to come to him and to his house, uh, but also into Israel. And one of the reasons of this was because his sons had made themselves vile. Um, Over in chapter number two, turn with me, look at verse number 22. This is some of the things that was going on at this time. It says, Eli uh, was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregations. Uh, so one thing that I want to say here is they made themselves vile by not respecting 
um, not having any respect for the temple, not having any respect for, for the place of God, the house of God. Um, now, I'll preface this with this going into it. I know that Hophni and Phinehas were godless men, but there is a lot of similarities between their actions that can still take place in the life of a believer, right? Just because we've been saved, we can still sin. Uh, we, we can still get ourselves into a lot of trouble. And so what we see here is that Hophni and Phinehas, they were, they had no respect for the place of God. And when I look at, at Christians around, and I have to be honest, even times with myself, we have to really ask ourselves, what are we really thinking about church when we go? Is it something that we're, is it something that we're doing in an excitement to be in God's house, to, to lift up the name of Jesus, our Savior? Uh, is it, is it a place that we are uh, praying before we go, asking God to work in our hearts and work in the hearts of others? Or are we, um, are we just kind of going through the motions out of the obligation of being there, out of feeling like it's just the right thing to do? I think we would all admit, if you don't, I would say you're probably lying, that there's times that you come to church, you really just don't feel like going. Uh, you kind of just went because you knew it was the right thing to do. You Maybe you just didn't want to let other people down. I'll admit there's times I'll wake up and I, I won't want to necessarily go. My flesh won't, but I know it's what I should do as a father and as a husband to take my... Uh, to take my kids. So, but we have to be very cautious that we respect, we, that we respect this place for what it is. I mean, we remember it wasn't just a couple years ago that we were told we couldn't even come in here. And, and I think that we've quickly forgotten how special of a place that it is to be able to come here and to be able to meet and have fellowship one with another in person, uh, corporately together. Um, we, we have to keep in mind the importance of church. I, now I know quite a handful of people that have, they used to be in church faithfully, and then they, they uh, got out of church. Some of these people got their feelings hurt by other church people. Um, some of these people, they had, uh, you know, their own family members had gotten out, and they just followed in suit. Um, but church attendance is vital, vital in the life of a believer. As a matter of fact, I've never known a Christian that has grown outside of church because you can't you can't do that. Now, I know a lot of times when folks get out, they kind of look at us that try to go regularly almost as like, well, pitiful little member. You, you know, you just think you got to be there with everybody. But I'm just fine out here on my own, you know. But I don't see those people leading other folks to Christ. I, I mean, I don't know how they're do, taking the Lord's Supper together, doing communion together. I mean, I don't I don't know how they're uh, able to gain encouragement one from another because they're not with one another. And really, they're just bashing one another. And so I, I think that it's important that we, we remember to, to be very thankful that we live in a place where we can freely gather multiple times a week, encourage one another, hear the word of God preached, and actually uh, have focus on God working in our heart in this place while we're here. And not take advantage of that, uh, but actually look for God to work in that. I also say that there was no reverence for God coming from, coming from these two men. Look at verse... Uh, Verse number 13, we're going to read 13 down through 17 here. It says, and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, and this is talking about when the Israelites would come into sacrifice, when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself so they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, 
Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So here we see the, the practice of, of the sacrifice that would be brought by the Israelites, um, that there was no respect for that sacrifice that was brought, uh, in that they would take the meat outside of the requirement of how God said it should be t- sacrificed. They would also take it before the fat had burnt, which was supposed to be done according to the sacrifice for the Lord, uh, that, that they had, uh, that they did not have respect for the way in which God said things should be done. And let me say, we know, again, we know from lost people this is not surprising. But how many Christians do you know and, and I know that they think that this right here is not what they should be looking for, but they just think, well, I've got opinions on what I think God says is fine. I think I can just do things my own way, um, and God will be satisfied with that. Um, we have an entire multiple generations now that that's what they think about Christianity. They think that it's really just a matter of what they feel is the most right thing to do, most of this being based off of culture and society around them, and that's what they follow after. Um, but we have to remember that, as and Brother Toby really pushed this this morning, we have God's pure and perfect word. How wonderful it is to be able to know God's mind on things, to know God's opinion on things, to open his word and to draw ourselves closer and to gather comfort being near him through his word because we respect God and because we reverence him. You know, I look at my own life and and I see, I guess I could say two things. One, I see the direction I could have taken myself in life. And then I see times that I have messed things up in life. And I feel so blessed to see where God's brought me and also times that I have failed when I've gone before the Lord. God forgives. I mean, just forgives and sets straight. Well, I mean, what a good God that we have. But so many Christians, they lose sight of the importance of respecting God and his word and striving to try to grow closer day by day by day. The importance of of Bible study and having a prayer life and seeking after uh, after the Lord and him working in our life every day is actually not even a common thing amongst a lot of Christians anymore. Um, and, and it will most certainly affect the fellowship that we have. I mean, this is a cutesy example, but I use it to teach our young people a lot of times. But me and my children will take my oldest son. We are, I am his biological father. That is our relationship. And I, he can't break that and I can't break that. But we don't have to fellowship one with another. We, you know, I, he can, get mad at me or I could get mad at him and we could just choose to have nothing to do with one another. And and we need to remember that even though we've been born again, that we have to, we need to nurture that relationship, that fellowship that we have with God for him to work close in our life and to help us. And so they made themselves vile through not respecting the temple, not reverencing God, but also even in knowing this, they refused to repent. Anybody know folks that, that know that they're doing wrong? They know they're out of church. They know they should be in church. A lot of times they'll just say, well, just pray for me. You know, just, just pray for me. They're refusing to repent. It says in verse 25 of chapter 2, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. 
They didn't. They had no interest in repenting. So the first thing there to to warn us this evening is to be cautious that we're remembering to to uh, respect the house of God, to reverence God, to seek to seek uh, forgiveness for when we sin, and to be able to uh, to be able to serve the Lord as we ought to. I also say uh, if you look at chapter number three and verse number thirteen, talking of Eli here again when Samuel's talking to him. Uh, he says, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. So Eli did not restrain them. Eli did know God. Eli, uh, his sons may not have, but he did. Yet he chose to not restrain them. I'll say that another way we can lose our, our fellowship is uh, through indifference. How dangerous is in, it's a cancer in the life of a Christian. So, so many, and I was talking to a coworker about this this week. Uh, you know, Christianity in our, I'll even say southern culture, regional culture. Um, I mean, it's, it's in the music. It's in, you know, it's everywhere you see it, but it's, it's almost as if Christ is just a, a part of many other things that are important in the life of that person. Not that it is the the main thing. Not that it is number one and everything else just fits in with it. But, you know, that there's career and, and there's, you know, ball games and there's kids and there's relationships and, and retirement. And then there's the Lord and, and it just kind of fits in where it falls. And if I wake up one Sunday and I've had a rough week, you know, I'll probably just go to church and try to gain a little bit of encouragement. Um, but, but that's such a dangerous place for a Christian to end up. And 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 it doesn't take any time uh, once someone becomes indifferent for it to settle in and just begin to to take them wayward uh, from where they should be. But I'll, I'll we'll notice here first that he was indifferent to his his own children's sin. Um, it says that he didn't restrain them. And in in chapter two and verse number seventeen, it also says he caused others to sin because it says, "Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord." And then it says, "For men, it's not saying them, but it's talking about the Israelite men. They abhorred the offering of the Lord, so they caused others to dread even going to give sacrifice because of the way that they were dealt with when they went in there. They caused Israel to sin as well." What the children were doing was was messing a lot of things up. You know, it, it boggles my mind, and this should, you know, I, I say this in love, and I have nobody in mind, but there are so many parents, even Christian parents. It's like this idea that that it, I'll just let my kid grow up in my presence, and they'll they'll know what's right and and how they should live as a Christian. But that's not. We ought to train them, right? To, we, they, I mean, they ought to be trained. Discipline, discipline is, and I'm not talking necessarily about punishment. I'm talking to be disciplined, to to know how to act, to know how to to carry yourself, to know what we ought to do and what we not uh, should not do. I almost got real country right there. Uh, what we shouldn't do as Christian folks, how we ought to live our life. You know, we've got the, this next generation coming up that we're trying to raise, and and. You know, I'm afraid that many, many uh, parents, it, how do I say this? I, I want, it is important that kids understand how they should live. But I think personally, and you might disagree, I think it's the most important thing is to teach that kid to love Jesus Christ and to understand the Bible 
and let the Holy Spirit begin to help them grow. Be there, answer questions for them, guide them. But there's a lot of just don't do this and don't do that. And, and I think that's what's misled a lot of my generation. They didn't understand. It was follow the rules and somehow that's just, you know, by default makes me happy with the Lord, not understanding the importance and why God puts these guardrails up in our life. Hopefully that makes sense. I'll just trust the Holy Spirit in that. So he was indifferent to his children's sin, uh, but also he was indifferent to Israel's sin. Um, look at verse number 23 and 24 in chapter 2 again. Uh, it says here, And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Now you might say here, well, hold on. Eli's trying to talk to them. It sounds like he's trying to do something about it. It sounds like that, yet he ultimately didn't. He ultimately did not do anything about it. Uh, He was the father. He was the priest. He was the one in control here. And ultimately, he chose to stick. He might have made an outside effort, but ultimately, his indifference in his children's life led to indifference in the life of all of Israel as well. You see, when we're indifferent about our own Christian uh, state that we are in, our, our fellowship state that we're in with the Lord, um, it doesn't just affect us. It affects others. If you're a parent, it affects your children. If you're married, it affects your spouse. Uh, you know, it affects your coworkers, the way that uh, lost people are looking at you. Uh, there are a lot more people that are affected by our indifference than just us ourselves. Yet a lot of times we'll just think that you know, I, well, I'm just going to be selfish for a little while and have a little me time, and I just got to focus on me. Uh, but really, it's more a matter of of understanding how great this ripple effect is of indifference in our life and allowing sin into our life and who all that it ultimately is going to affect. I mean, what are we doing here? Why are we created? We're created for God's glory. You know, we're here for his purpose. We're, we ought to be sharing the gospel with others and 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 get all of these other things out of our mind. Yet, if we're not cautious, we, we will become indifferent to these things. And so we also see this lastly in regards to indifference in uh, chapter 13. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse number 13 is in regards to his own sin. It says, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. So at first he didn't care. He seemed like he did, but ultimately he was indifferent about his kids' sins. And then Israel's sin and then he thought, well, I guess I'll just be indifferent about my indifferent about my own sin as well. You know, there's a progression to this. When people get out of church, they they very rarely just kind of stay right where they're at. They usually start to go downward even more, into more sin. They open their the heart, you know, their their heart up to more things to come in and, and partake in things that normally they never would have even considered. And it's a downward progression um, because we we forget, choose to forget just how powerful the flesh is. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a daily battle, right? I mean, the, the, we said at the beginning of the message, the war's been won. Christ died on the cross for the sin of mankind. For those of us that believe we're born again, we, you know, we know that our eternity is with Christ. But it's a daily battle. I mean, I mean, constant battle. I get so put out with myself. I and I mean it genuinely that I, you know, I feel very uh, inadequate to stand and to teach and preach God's word. I mean, uh, you know, you just think, man, I just 
this constant battle back and forth. Makes you excited one day just be with the Lord. Makes you excited for Christ to come back, you know, and just be done with all of this. But you know, but but until he until he does, you know, we have to we have to we got to deal with us. I had a preacher tell me one time. I've never forgot this. It was Tom Miller. Uh, he told me, you know, in dealing with the spirit and the flesh, you know, it's like it's like two two dogs that are fighting one another, and the dog that you feed is gonna get, is gonna be nourished, and he's gonna win that fight, and the dog that you don't feed is gonna be malnourished, and it's gonna lose. If all you do is feed that flesh, if if you become indifferent to your Christian life and what God's purpose is for you, and you just feed that flesh, and you just you're not you're not trying to grow in the Lord, and then you get shocked that you fail and that you sin. You should be shocked. You're you're feeding the flesh. What do you expect? So uh, he didn't he didn't restrain them, and that ultimately brings us to our passage of what we read. My last part here is is that the glory of God it departed from Israel because of these things that took place. Um, look at verse number um, twenty one. Well. I'm going to read a little bit, and y'all just follow me. Y'all just bear with me. Look at verse 12. And there uh, and there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army. Now, this is right after the ark was taken. And came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with earth upon his head. And he came, uh, and when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army and fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also Hophni and Phinehas are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God. Isn't that interesting that he his focus was on the ark and not his sons? But he said when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, and her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named, and she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, the ark of God is taken. How sad is that? And it didn't have to be the case. It was because of sin that was allowed in. But that can be said of our own life. That, how sad would it be to say, well, their fellowship is com- with the Lord is just gone. I don't see, I mean, I know people that I see, I, I really believe they're born again because of the way in which, <laughs> the way in which they lived their life before they got out of church. I really struggle to see how they could not be. But now it's like, man, I don't see, I mean, they are so far gone. How sad it is for that to take place. 
And you know, and this is just the truth, you know, like it or not, none of us are above that. I mean, every one of us, could, if we're not cautious, if we don't listen to this warning, this can take place in our own life. If we're not serious about these things with the Lord, we see that God's presence had departed from him. You know, when you look back at verse five, it says, when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. There was excitement in the camp. The ark of the covenant is here. Victory is ours. But yet it wasn't. Because the ark, it was the, it, the ark with them was the presence of God with them. But that was because God chose ultimately to be with them. You see, it almost was like a they had uh, at this point just created the ark as an idol itself instead of the presence of God with them. You understand, you can still get up and come into church. You can still, you know, go through teaching your Sunday school class or teaching your Wednesday night or whatever you're doing. But it it can just be going through the motions and it can have I mean, it. It can just go on without the Lord's work in it at all. And what a waste of time. What a, what a waste of time. So God's presence departed, but also we see that his power had departed from them as well. Verse 10, the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten. and They fled every man in his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fell of Israel, 30,000 footmen. So we see that God's power left from them. And I'll just say this last part as well, that God's his peace departed from him as well. It says the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. The only peace that I have ever found in my life is through the Lord. It's all that there is. I've tried to find it in me, but I find that I'm too, I fail too much to, to be able to trust in me. I, there, there, I can, I can't, when I don't have answers, I know that my heavenly father, even though he may not give me the answer, he's in full control of everything and I can lean on him and I can trust him. I guess what I want to say with this message that the Lord's given me this evening is I want to I want you to look at you and see where you're at right now. Are you are you about out the door? Maybe you maybe I know you're in here, but in your heart, are you about out the door? Maybe you are out the door in your heart and you just. You just don't know where you're at or where you're going or what you're going to do. Can I remind you, God loves you. The safest and best place that we can be is right up near the Lord, just as close as we can be to him. What a wonderful place to be and what wonderful peace there is to be right up against the Lord, trusting in him. So look at yourself this evening. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as a piano player comes up. We'll get ready to do the invitation. Pray real quick. Father, I pray that you'll please bless this time of invitation. I pray that you'll work in hearts. Lord, just let us look at ourselves. Let us not be embarrassed about a time of uh, coming to you and praying. Uh, but, Lord, I just pray that you would use this time for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. If the Lord's dealt with any of your hearts. If any of you want to pray, you're welcome to come down. and.